2: and welcome to the Rusty Quill Gaming Podcast. I'm your host and normally GM, Alex Newell, and with me today I have...
3: James Ross, Ryn Munray, Ben Meredith.
2: And there's no Lydia Nicholas today, who is normally our fifth, but sadly couldn't be here because she's all successful. Yeah, she's off being impressive. really impressive, so... Doing talking about the future. Yeah, so we'll be covering our season one catch-up without her, but... This is a catch-up intended for either people who are brand new to the podcast and saw a daunting number of incredibly well-made episodes and thought, you know what, I might get a catch-up first, and old listeners who have been listening over the course of more than a year at this point and are trying to remember everything ahead of the season two. With that in mind, we should probably start telling people about the world that our story happens in. So, the world as it stands geographically is more or less the world as we have it now, by which I mean, you know, all of the continents are there, broadly speaking, all of the countries are there. Historically, very different, because in this world, magic is real. It is set in the time period of 18... It's a
4: vaguely Georgia-Victorian post-industrial revolution. It's, It's explicitly
5: ahistorical, so we've mashed up lots of different bits of the 19th century, stuck
4: them in a blender and strained out the tasty treats. So you can sum it up with Lord Byron and Albert Einstein, both are uh, living at the same time right now.
2: One can only assume that they are best buds based on nothing at all. Ooh. But yeah, it's deliberately ahistorical and like we're saying, magic's real in this world and has been made into lots of industrial processes because yes, you may not have a telephone, but if you have the ability to contact people magically over a long distance and it's fairly easy to do and you have someone specialising in that job, you've basically got a telephone. Yeah. So a lot of the world will be using a lot of magic to replicate things that are normally achieved with technology. One of the major differences is to do with also the fact that obviously other sentient races are there. Dwarves are there. They occupy a lot of Greenland and are free to move around the rest of the world that humanity occupies a lot of. Elves mm-hmm. exist. They are much rarer and they tend towards being in the Americas. And... Orcs exist and they tend towards mountainous regions and gnomes exist. They are pretty heavily integrated into humanity along with halflings. That said, humans have a bit of a weird situation because a very, very long time ago, Rome existed. And as far as the history of this world goes, Rome was not a nice place. Rome was being mean. They did bad magic. They did bad stuff. It's all a bit shrouded in ancient history. At which point, the Meritocrats appeared, a collection of incredibly powerful dragons. Ancient, wise. Wiser than humanity, certainly. And basically shut Rome down hard and decided that humans were just too Not responsible erratic, enough. too irresponsible to be in charge of their own fate. So they divvied up, basically, portions of the world and aspects of humanity that need monitoring. Things like transport, the care of the poor, money, etc., and started trying to steer humanity towards a bit of a more productive, less destructive, and altogether more peaceful growth. And that, broadly speaking, was the history that led us to the world as it stands now. Mm -hmm. Now, within this world, obviously, each of our protagonists are playing a character, so it's worth probably going around and introducing those Who do you play, James? I play uh, Sir Bertrand
3: McGuffingham, who is a powerful knight. And mechanically, he is a fighter, is his Mm -hmm. his class. His class is also aristocratic. (laughs) Um, And he is uh, the now orphaned uh, last uh, son of the House of McGuffingham, um, whose crest is whose crest is the Maltese Falcon what so I did there. <laughs> and in terms of his personality he is very much um, a Boris Johnson without you know the, retu- <coughs> the interest of it. the uh, <clears throat> working man yeah I mean, he's, he's a terrible human being but he is um, he is a, a, a noble and proud hero and representative of the House of McGuffingham and its grand traditions because um. of um, and regular listeners will know um, a, uh, a contract which uh, governs his inheritance basically the House of McGuffingham is in debt up to eyeballs and, and then a little well bit further <laughs> yep um and uh, so the conditions of uh the credit that has been extended to it are uh, part of a, a supernatural contract um with a sinister law firm of uh creepy looking gnomes harkness uh,
2: harkness darkness and sphinx that's the one Sound a lovely jabs yep
3: <laughs> so uh if uh, bertie has to uh has to adhere to the terms and appear um publicly heroic um, at all times uh, otherwise, he'll be uh, exiled for all eternity to a flaming poo dimension.
2: Effectively, you are the least chivalrous person ever, held by a Damoclesian sword to the most chivalric code of conduct possible. Yep. And yourself, Bryn?
5: I play Hamid Salah Harun Altahan. He is a lovable halfling, and he wants to be a hero more than anything else in the world, even if sometimes he is not quite cut out for it. Comes up short. Some. Oh, oh. sorry. Oh. Is that a halfling joke? That is so racist.
2: That, and because yeah, it's our character, this is a problem. <laughs> <laughs> Just FYI.
4: Just do it in Bertie's okay. voice next time. Ah, <laughs> 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 you're rubbish because of what you are, not who you are. <laughs>
2: <laughs> there we go. That's actually a really nice little sample of yep. basically Bertie. That is. That is him.
5: Um, <laughs> he has a propensity to cry and or vomit every time the going gets tough. Hamid is from Egypt originally, but he's grown up mostly in Britain. And he met Bertie at university. Mm -hmm. They're old university Mm -hmm. friends. And his family owns the largest banking corporation based in Cairo, which is one of the world's uh, biggest cities. So he comes from money in a serious way. Oh,
4: yes.
5: He thinks he's a wizard. He's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Extremely so. Which we haven't explored in any great detail yet, actually. Right. I don't well, think.
4: apart from uh, Hamid developing uh, draconic traits and going, oh, why well, have my hands gone weird and scaly? Yes, uh, totally so fine.
5: Mechanically, Hamid is a sorcerer and he has the draconic bloodline, which means he's gradually turning into a dragon, but he hasn't figured this out yet. So, as far as he's uh,
2: concerned, he's still a wizard who's just. Getting really good at learning. Yeah, is and easy? is
5: easy, guys. I don't know why they all have to study so much, because it's just coming yeah. to me naturally. And all his, this
4: spellbook goth. Yeah. yeah. And his body's
5: going through a lot of
4: changes. <laughs> yeah. Wizard puberty.
5: Yeah. Um So you know, tantalizing plot lines for season two. Ooh. You should definitely
2: listen. Indeed.
5: Yeah, but uh he wants to be he wants to be a hero, basically.
2: And why does he want to be a hero? We don't know!
5: <laughs> I mean, obviously I know because I've written a background. But unlike the rest of these losers that I'm surrounded by, I haven't been forced to reveal it by events in the series yet.
3: You don't know what we haven't revealed yet.
4: Yeah. Also, Ooh. hang on a minute. Ooh. Not much of backstories come up, apart from the bit where I got arrested. But no, that's no, no, look, it's, the it's not a that's recent history. That it's is not amazing. a competition. It is. And look, it who could be the most mysterious? <laughs>
2: <laughs> so, welcome to Rusty Quill Gaming, a race to the bottom,
4: which yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sir Bertram
2: McGuffingham would pursue with great enthusiasm.
4: Karen, hey. <laughs>
2: So, who are you playing
4: Ben? I am playing Zolf Smith, who is a dwarven cleric of Mm -hmm. Poseidon, uh, who started off in the West Country, and uh, from what we've been told, there's a bit of a blur, but something happened, and he took to sea uh, with the navy, but then his ship was destroyed. Indeed. Uh, He almost drowned, and during that time found his faith, Mm -hmm. and then he hooked up with some pirates for a bit.
5: Mm -hmm. Decided to sail the piracy.
4: Is hooked hooked up with pirates
3: a pun? Because if not, it should be. Uh, I, that is retroactively a pun. <laughs> uh, that's a retroactive boom, Seems boom. I'm, I'm not if sure. that were a competition, I would have won, then. Yeah, I'm just not saying. sure
2: how I feel about this. That sounded a bit rigged. Oh, oh no. <laughs>
4: Moving on. It's all right. I'm not literally a comedian. So <laughs> literally. <laughs> but yeah, so he did that. Uh, decided he didn't quite like it. Uh, Wants to be a little bit more um, ethical. Uh, so decided to become a mercenary. Maybe the thought process there wasn't that uh, good, but... Yeah, basically... There's no uh,
2: reason you can't get paid to also do good things. Yeah.
4: So why does he want to be a hero? Uh, Mainly because he's spent a lot of time doing some quite bad things and feels a bit guilty about it.
2: And I put this to the rest of the group... We are required to introduce Sasha, of course, the final part of our party. However, me being extensively familiar with everyone's backstory, feel it's probably worth you all introducing her rather than me.
4: Oh no, so this is a a remembrance of what we've heard in the episodes, because we don't know any more than the listeners do.
5: She's called Sasha Rackett, and Rackett is the chief crime family that reside within... Other London.
4: Which is uh, the original London, London as we know it, which got built over. Um, uh-huh. And Upper London is now where all the uh, well-off people live.
2: So here's a bit more of the story world, which is relevant mostly to Sasha rather than every other character. Originally, London existed. And then during the reveal of the new lightning rail system, an enormous flood ended up being caused. So which Tesla's fault. Yeah, classic Tesla. So he ended up flooding the majority of London, and at that point, as the world banded together, because the meritocrats see a disaster and they help, it was, whether wisely or not, decided that the construction of London would best be built on higher ground, namely, London again. So they built on top the new London. It's shiny, it's clean, it's very, very well maintained. But underneath, sadly, and under London, and other London began to grow and has taken root. It's basically a city-sized slum. Exactly. Hidden out of sight, out of mind, beneath London as it stands now.
4: So that's where Sasha comes from. Yeah. And as far as we know, she had a mate called Brock,
2: mm-hmm. who she was very fond of. Mm-hmm. And
5: who disappeared mysteriously a couple
2: of years ago now? Uh, yeah. Significantly more than a couple of years ago. Mm-kay. Okay. So he disappeared a, a long time ago. Okay. And then... She
4: had a mentor who was that gnome dude we met that time. What? Well, uh, that's a Beaming Gusset. That's the one. Yep. But she had another one as well, who was... was that? Beaming Gusset is also my burlesque name, just in case I know. <laughs> <laughs> Carry on. And uh, uh, Rakefine was
2: uh, the other Yes, Rakefine. She had a benefactor called Rakefine, who most of you know little to nothing yeah, about. He just existed. Yeah. And was she was sadly beholden to the crime boss known as Barrett, who was not a nice person. He seemed lovely when we met him. He was very polite to Hamid. Yeah. Yeah, look, this is thing, polite is not the same as lovely. <laughs> we need to I
4: address think you'll find it is. Bertie, Bertie can be very polite. But <laughs> Welcome to was... an
2: ongoing topic for the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> and um, Sasha, as we joined her at the first time, was actually escaping her her past when she ran into the party. And broadly speaking, that's the group as we have it.
5: Yeah, and we. I don't know if we understand Sasha's motivation, but she certainly wants to escape from her past.
2: I think it's because
4: we're her first like group of friends friends who aren't controlling her in some way yeah. this is her first like choice apart from running away from the the barricade I don't want to put words in Lyd's mouth but that's kind of the impression that I'm getting from Ooh. from the stuff this might be completely wrong
2: Anywho so there's a very brief overview of the story world a very brief overview of our main characters and at this point we should probably try and blast through some plot. There's a lot of it, so yeah. you have to remember...
5: 53 episodes, I believe.
2: We are going to be going through this at some pace. So let us start with, where did we meet our characters?
5: So basically, fate brought us all together. Zolf was running a mercenary company. Uh, which, starting
2: a mercenary company. Starting
5: a mercenary company, uh, which Bertie signed up for. hmm and they bumped into Sasha in the street as she fled from a pair of Barrett's thugs. Hamid basically just wandered past and seeing Bertie, his, o- his old university mate, he decided to join in as well. Let's,
2: let's not skim past the gritty detail of Hamid having gambling away himself, depressed. I think
5: we can definitely skip over just that happened, gritty detail. Just, just
2: happened to, I think in it's a barely relevant. slump, run into an old mate and decide it might be time to do something about his life. I mean, just, just throwing it out there.
4: Basically, Hamid's sad, let's point and laugh. <laughs> uh,
5: I don't know if we ever discussed the fact that he he, was, he had been cut off by his parents. I mean, it's probably obvious since, you know, he's now adventuring for money yeah. rather than living off his parents'
4: wealth. Well, we definitely mm-hmm. know that they, th- they wanted him to go through university and he yes. dropped out, so that's it's yes. somewhat of a disappointment.
2: So, you managed to deal with the thugs of uh, Barrett and in yep. so doing, meet and introduce yourselves to Sasha, who ended up attaching herself by reason of, your call quite big and numbers will help me because there's a lot of people after me. And yep. she got
5: an invitation, that, that was an invitation with air quotes, obviously helpful on a audio format, um, an invitation from Barrett to go and visit him and talk about the situation. So the I four of us decided to go to a party at Edison's house instead.
2: <laughs> I believe you were corralled into that by a previous associate of Zolz known as? Harangay.
5: That's yes. the one,
2: and yeah, they needed- he hired your
5: mercenary company to run security at the party, basically,
4: and we did really well. Mm. Nothing went wrong; it was great. It was the a
5: really end. good party. Yeah,
2: that's it. Was, that's the rustic. It girl. was an excellent party. The creme de la creme.
5: Um, well, the thing is, we were supposed to be running security outside, but because it obviously. Bertie is part of La Cren de la <laughs> on our way there, uh, he bumped into some other old friends, Wellington and Chessington,
2: mm-hmm.
5: and so we all got invited inside the party, rather than running security <laughs> outside the party. Because that's what happens when you've got all the privileges in
4: the world. <laughs> Bertie checked his privilege, and it was great. <laughs> it's
5: still
2: there. Natural 20 massively. on that privilege. Is, yeah. So, how did things go? I, one can only assume really well.
5: Yeah, it was brilliant.
3: Yeah, so like everyone... Rocher in those little pyramids—it's really, <laughs> really, fancy.
4: Well, there were ambassadors there, and they, they were weren't being yeah. spoiled.
5: Oh. <laughs> How dare you insult me by presenting me Ferrero Rocher at a posh party? If, if, if the party is posh, I demand a proper truffle, not some cheap knockoff made of. Oh. I'm sorry, a biscuit I... with Nutella. Oh. sorry. That's absolutely, right. <laughs> it basically is. <laughs> They're a cheap chocolate. Not
2: so, what proper. was the point of this party? Uh,
5: so Edison was presenting his new invention. Which was the simulacrum, which is a giant robot,
2: yeah, which can
5: make more of itself.
2: Yes, it's basically the,
4: it's, it's magi- the magical singularity.
2: Pretty much, pretty much, it is a creature. Let's call it a robot. Who knows what it is? We never really got into detail. Golem probably, mm, but it was made of the finest stuff. The workmanship on it was amazing. It's about ten foot tall, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was. It was basically you know humanoid plus. But was also capable of easily yeah. making more of itself. Self
3: replicating, so it's a Von Newman.
2: Canon! You're welcome.
3: Oh. You're welcome. That
4: was good. That was good. good. Thank that you. Was good. No, that was more a groan of realization of like, yeah. oh, that's very What
2: well, that clever. was was mechanically weak humor, but really, really well executed in the referencing. I side. <laughs> what I
5: don't think we've ever addressed is whether this simulacrum follows the three laws. Um, well, which why, why didn't we me. address
2: that? Because I mean, surely you'd have had chance during the so, auction. So, okay,
5: uh, the reason, you know, the, the reason that things didn't necessarily go according to plan is because the security team hadn't necessarily been doing their jobs, and so the room exploded. A little, just a little bit. Well,
4: people exploded the room. There was an attack, and during the confusion... Everything exploded. And everything exploded, and they stole the simulacrum along with
2: a notebook that Edison had, and also killed him. Yes. So, the simulacrum disappeared, and I believe you all helped rescue a bunch of people. So,
5: yeah, we, we woke up and the room was on fire, mm. which is never the nicest way to wake up. Um, some of these terrorists were still in the room, the bombers, so we fought them. We tried to chase them. Sasha chased them down. Sasha chased parts. them quite successfully compared to the rest of us. The the otherers spent most of that fight desperately trying to evacuate the few remaining alive civilians.
2: So you did a decent enough job. Sadly, Sasha's pursuit got a little bit curtailed because they had made preparations. Turned out. It looked like they had escaped underground from beneath the stage and blew up the route behind them. So you managed to escape that region, rescue a bunch of people.
5: Yeah, so Hamid and Zolf teamed up to save a bunch of foreign diplomats Mm -hmm. that had been at the uh, presentation. Whereas Bertie, along with his good friend Colgate...
2: Successfully killed Successfully saved
5: Lord Byron (laughs) from the flames.
2: True. And... After that, I believe we ended up being outside, uh, and in the fallout, Harringay had an extra job for you, I believe, for your mm-hmm. mercenary band.
5: Yeah, he decided to deputise us and have us investigate the bombing because... Yep the rest of the London security forces would be dealing with other bits of the fallout. And quite because... frankly,
2: an enormous amount of the people in charge of all of that are would dead or injured. Yeah, not right. including... Not including
5: not of the head of the meritocratic forces yes. was at that party yeah. at the because time. Because the British royal family no longer exists, as far as I understand. Well, they're part lizard anyway. <serious>.
2: So, how did that go, your investigation?
4: I mean, kind of well. Uh, we went into the sewers, swam in a lot of poo. Yeah,
2: that, that um, happened.
4: But managed to retrieve the uh, most of the physical
2: form of the simulac. Having found it had been dismantled. Pretty much.
4: Yeah,
5: and dumped into the sewers. And yeah. you didn't even
2: collect all of it, just as much as you could. Yeah, and then, that'd be fine. but you did provide Harangay with the instructions of where to dredge for the rest.
5: Yes. Yep. And we don't know if that dredging project. Ever bore no, we've been smelly, quite... smelly, smelly fruit. robot fruit? Yeah, kind of, kind of
2: busy.
3: That's my other burlesque name. <laughs> smelly, smelly robot fruit. fruit so.
2: yeah. <laughs> it's a spin-off, it didn't do so well. Good grief. Yeah. But I believe that also finally brought you into contact with other London for the first time briefly? Yeah, a little bit. But then we
4: kind of went up, handed it in.
5: And then, yeah, and then Haringey said we should continue investigating. Because we we sort of worked out that the... The people who dismantled and dumped the simulacrum had headed down into other London. Mm -hmm. And we thought that our new friend Sasha, who knew Other London very well, would help us follow the trail there.
2: Although she was, let's shall we say, reticent to return to a place that was full of hostility and clearly incredibly dangerous for her. Mm. But we did it anyway. Well, we
5: were getting paid at that point and the shiny shiny currency helped.
4: Yeah. So yeah, we went down and uh, unfortunately uh, got ambushed by Barrett's gang. After I think
2: we mucked around with some staircases for quite a while. but Turns out eel in a bun makes for less effective weaponry than you'd initially hoped. That's true. Yeah,
5: our stealthy sojourn into other London was not stealthy. Uh, I'm incredibly stealthy. What?! Shut up!
2: To represent for Sasha, by the way, she was doing an excellent job, by the way. She was just hamstrung by an enormous amount of aristocrats walking through a slum.
5: The rest of us were not so much fish out of water as giant shiny metal objects in water and all the fish were looking at it
4: going, what the hell's that? Yeah, it didn't go well. (laughs) Uh, yeah, so we got dragged off and taken to Barrett's headquarters, mm-hmm. which is exactly where Sasha never ever wanted to go again. So Emma. that went well for her. Yeah. yeah.
5: So we're up to about episode 11 now, and I'd just like to say I think episode 11 is really strong. There's some lovely character moments for every, for all four people in that episode. That's the episode where we chat with Barrett. I like that one. If you're doing some sort of sampling of season one. It's a
2: good one. It's to a nice
5: early a... one that I would recommend listening yeah. to because I, I felt like it was the first episode where I went, oh, God, this is quite good, isn't it? Mm.
2: Well, thanks, <laughs> God. Well,
5: Another event in episode 11 that I should mention, which, again, it may be relevant in season two, I just don't know yet. It depends on how mm. willing Alex is to torture me, is that Hamid ends that episode with a magic ring as a gift from Barrett? It's a ring of communication of some kind, which he cannot remove
2: the deal being that he would be willing to take that ring in exchange for a bunch of information. Because what did Barrett happen to know? Where all Where of the people you were searching for was. Everything was going on. Yeah. Barrett knows everything that's happening.
3: How down there. convenient. If and Hamid needs to contact anybody through it, he just holds up to his face and goes, Ring, 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 oh, ring.
2: Oh, <laughs> ring, ring <laughs> <no>. <laughs> Two out of ten, try it. Uh, no, no.
3: <laughs> that was brilliant.
2: That was genuinely
3: very good, Alex. <laughs> That was It's simple awesome. and effective.
4: Yeah.
2: <laughs> and you happened to run into an incredibly sinister cowled figure at Barrett's as well, didn't you?
4: Oh yeah. Again oh, a Dementor. Basically it was a d de- it was a big spooky Dementor. Oh he had a horrible voice too. Uh knew some secret things. Uh, it did some whispering yeah. into Barrett's ear and and it got a bit mystical and odd.
5: Yeah. I feel like I feel like there's stuff in that episode that is going to come back into the plot at some point. I'm sure there will be no ramifications for any characters for anything that's Mm.
2: ever happened.
5: But then, then, there was episode 12. And episode 12 features everyone's favourite NPC.
2: Yes, so this is another case where things got made canon whether that was going to happen or not. You're
5: welcome. You're welcome. You named him. We stopped off at a tavern and accidentally invented eel quiche.
2: Uh, And you ran into... Greg, it was oh, Greg. Greg, Greg. Greg, in- innkeeper extraordinaire.
5: Yes, so after our brief stop at the pub, yeah. um, we carried on to the terrorist compound.
2: So there were a couple of guards out there who had attack dogs. and well, then... they had one attack dog. <laughs> <They had laughs> one attack
4: dog and one incompetent dog. Yes. And guess who Bertie
2: picked? So <laughs> using, <laughs> using <laughs> advanced eel-in-a-bun skills... Yes. You... And being a statue. And, oh, yeah. how could I skip that?
5: Bertie the human statue.
2: Still needs a spin off.
4: So hit,
2: Let's take it then. It's just him standing still. Yeah, it's
4: just, out, it's, just it's just it's really easy because it's just one sound bed and that's it. Oh, <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah.
2: It consisted of Bertie pretending literally to be a statue as the guards approach. And doing
4: extremely
5: well. Doing an amazing yeah, yeah. job
2: so that you could get the drop on them, ambush them, and then in the process somehow tame an attack dog to be your bestest buddy ever. That
5: that fight was brutally efficient unlike every other fight we'd had up to that. Well, point. that went great. Well,
2: cuz at the time I think I think
4: we were all feeling a bit bad. Yeah, we got completely we were so incompetent. And then yeah, just took him down in like two
2: rounds or something. And you ended up with your pal Brutor. Yep. So you proceeded to the compound. Yes.
5: Yeah. uh, So we infiltrated the compound, and there was another big fight, which also went really well. So, I mean.
2: Largely to Sasha. yeah, Yeah. Sasha
5: snuck in, got the drop on them. Bertie, again. Literally, literally bisected, bisected someone, someone this guy. time
4: so mechanically reduced them to minor, lower than minus 10 hit points so they were allowed to just be dead <laughs>
2: and Sasha uh, while coming up sneakily from up top and coming down managed to take out the incredibly well constructed yep. hours spent uh, NPC magic user before before it could do
5: pretty much anything, anything. she
4: squashed the boss
5: I think it
2: was two crits in a
4: row. Yeah,
5: it was something horrendous. Um, Hamid spent most of that fight vomiting in a corner. Although Mm. I
2: believe there was a massive explosion.
5: Um, Yeah. Oh, yeah. jumping the gun. I'm not jumping the gun, I apologise. after we'd taken down all the enemies, we started to explore the compound. Of course you did. Turned out the other bit of the compound we hadn't yet gone to and didn't need to go to and had been specifically
4: warned against
5: by the <laughs> enemies
4: we captured. But Sasha hadn't told anyone. Only Sasha was warned. Uh, and she's the one who went and opened the warned door.
2: by one of the terrorist um, fighters. The who, sexy one. The one who ran off by the rooftops with some quite acrobatic skills. Sasha was quite smitten. And I believe made a certain impression. So it was all a fluster. Yeah. that So now... Now there was a massive explosion.
4: Sa- Sasha checked the bit
5: of the compound that was irrelevant to the plot and she'd been specifically warned against going into and it
4: exploded. Yeah, it was full In of, her face. It was full of napalm. It was re- a really big explosion as well. It was, it was well. extremely
5: explosive. It was perhaps even more of an explosion than the explosion that had hit the
4: presentation of the simulacrum.
2: So yeah, Sasha was briefly uh, knocked unconscious, very rapidly approaching death, but you managed to...
4: Uh... Yeah, and she gained uh, quite a... Uh, I was going to say fetching it wasn't, it was horrible scar, which was a... Uh, burned down the side of her face and neck
2: Mm -hmm. and that was Zolf, cleric of Poseidon after having a little bit of an issue when it came to alright so
4: I set a fire and thought I was very clever and then it turned out the thing we needed was in the place that I set fire so I ran back and uh, put it out
5: so we found a notebook ooh, ooh. containing lots of lots of juicy it had the word and clue written on it in big,
2: helpful yeah. letters. Reason,
3: the reason everyone went, ooh, there is because we're all remembering how lovely the handwriting was.
5: <laughs> As I repeatedly point out, a good GM would have produced an actual physical representation of that notebook.
4: Basically, you opened it up and just stuff fell out of it. Just so much stuff fell out of it. There was
5: a list of six very clear pointed clues uh, which we're going to spend the next six seasons pursuing, yeah, I assume. Yeah, one per <laughs> season, yeah. That's that's my, that's my assumption. Uh, the other issue we had at this point was Zulf wanted to drown everyone.
4: Oh, uh, yeah, well, that's because you don't get faith that sacrifice. And Poseidon is not a nice god. He's a fair god. He's neutral. Like, he's not a good god.
2: But he's, he's not, yeah, he's not so much on the kindness and the forgiveness thing. No.
4: Although he sends mixed messages. He
2: really does. One could say he's tempestuous. Ugh, fickle. Mm. So yeah, you, uh, you want to drown everyone. It turns out the rest of the party, and by the rest of the party, I mean only like one and a half of you, maybe. Mostly Hamid objected
5: very strenuously. You can tell how strenuously Hamid's objecting to something because his voice gets higher and higher pitched. <laughs> which is a character choice I'm really glad I made. <laughs> At
4: least you don't have an accent. I say accent I'm using that in the broadest possible (laughs) definition of the term so what happened next
5: we took our captives back to Haringey and were richly rewarded
4: and then we find out who the uh, leader of the the attackers were it
5: was was Byron's sister
4: Ah. and she didn't really like Byron in fact she kind of (laughs) hates him
2: quite a lot Yeah. funny that
4: yeah I think it's probably because he's a layabout poet that only just takes opium. That's probably what it is. Let's yeah. Let's let's say that that's what it is. I, I know
5: it. nothing about Byron. and I'm sensing that James does, but there was an awesome, I just want to mention on the forums, there was an awesome Byron nerd that turned up and started pinning down the exact date of Rusty Quill. based wow. yeah. entirely
2: on Byron's location. location.
5: And works. Yeah, and I was just like, this size. is awesome. And the exact <laughs> opposite wrong. of everything. wrong <laughs> because... Because we're completely ahistorical, yeah. but I just I would just like to give a shout out to that person because I love that level of that, nerdiness. That is really impressive.
4: Genuinely very well done. Yeah. Like, yeah. I salute you. Unfortunately, we, were, we we kind of asked where the plans were, and uh, she said they'd already been nicked.
5: Some other person stayed with them.
4: Somebody called. Let's quickly refer to our notes. I. Should... Jeremy. Jeremy. Yeah.
5: So during the course of the interrogation, we found out that this notebook did not in fact belong to Edison. <gasps> bah, 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 bah.
4: Turns out Edison's a fraud. Who could have thought? <gasps> <gasps> but so, he's dead now, so it's fine. Tesla. Yeah. Tesla would have thought that. No, Tesla would have definitely
5: <laughs> yeah, After being handsomely rewarded for returning our captive to now Captain Harringay.
4: Oh, yeah, he got a promotion, didn't he?
5: Yeah. Uh, we were then hired to investigate the rest of the contents oh, of this notebook. Yeah,
4: in the same way that Harringay got a promotion, we kind of got a promotion because we were hired by the new leader of the Merit- traffic Forces. Lady Starling.
5: Yeah. Yes,
2: and you basically got... Official status, not so much a freelance mercenary band as a nominally governmentally funded mercenary band.
5: Yeah. So that was the end of the prologue. Yeah. Episode 17, for those keeping track, 17 episodes formed
4: our prologue. So if you like the sound of that and want to jump in at series one. You can um, start from episode 18. And stop listening to this episode. Go away, bye. (laughs) (laughs) No, don't. It's just a break.
5: It's not the end. Come back after the break.
4: (laughs) Hi, Ben here. I just want to take a moment to thank some of our patrons. Icarus. OKPK Sound, Katrina Salamence, Kat Munn, Jared Holmes, Chris Yost, George Stone, Hazel, May, Stephen Schlebeck, Will Blackstock, Stuart McQueen, Kevin Turner, Simon Freeston, Theo Emerson, Bryn, Laura McCarthy, Jennifer Davis, Kate Cheema, Robert Espy. Thank you. We really appreciate all of your support.
2: And welcome back. The prologue complete. Yep. Moving on. We
4: began season one.
2: <laughs> with the task of... <laughs> <tracking down laughs> what was the most anticlimactic <laughs> intro ever. <laughs> yeah.
5: Okay, so the six clues in the notebook were a strange seed that seemed vaguely metallic, mm-hmm. a piece of metal of the same type as the simulacrum was made from, mm-hmm. a little origami piece of paper with a, a note swan. on it. Was it a swan? Some origami swan. Origami swan. Uh, The name Francois-Henri and some references to cafes in Paris, Uh, some references to research done at Prague University, Mm -hmm. and a safety deposit box key. And so we started out by investigating all six of those leads briefly in London with the plan to then head off across the rest of the
2: world Mm. to follow up
5: on them. Um,
2: well, when other people are paying for the travel, it seems foolish not to, really. Yeah,
5: absolutely. And so that plan gradually formed as we found out a little bit more about each of those six clues. But those those six clues essentially provided the structure from this point forward.
2: Yep. So how did you go about those investigations in London? Uh,
5: so the first person we went to see was Beaming Gusset, Sasha's former mentor, who we thought could tell us about the piece of metal.
2: Mm-hmm. As he was quite the dealer in artifacts, mechanisms, and all things intriguing. Absolutely.
5: Uh, as we got, we got a little uh, insight into some of Sasha's past.
2: Sadly, finding I believe Beaming Gussett's shop a little bit ransacked by uh, Barrett Associates. Yeah. Although he seemed comparatively unfazed. Yeah. Well, they hadn't got they hadn't got any of the good stuff. Nah. Kept them in the back.
5: And then there was something weird about your ring.
2: Yeah.
4: Um, I had a ring which, unbeknownst to me, had the. Um, Sim- like the family crest of, the- of Rake Fine
2: apparently so yeah
4: and he accused me of, of lying and I got very uh, sulky mm-hmm. uh, but it turned out no I got that ring from uh, home and that's all I would say on the matter
2: but we could
4: confirm that that was definitely... We did confirm translate. that I wasn't a liar. Because Sasha very briefly had a bit of an existential crisis of going, oh no, these people I know and now kind of trust have lied to me all along, and she...
2: Friends are impossible! Yeah,
4: very briefly almost shattered her world. We're so.
2: massively underselling that moment, by the way. She she handled that really well. I, I feel like... Uh, Lydia's
4: generally really good at handling uh, Sasha's um, sort of... Issues with trust. Lydia's
5: really the most talented person in the podcast. I mean, if, if you too not, talented to be here. If you're not finding this interesting, I would say it's mostly because Lydia's not here. So you I, should still listen I, I genuinely to every single, believe that. single <laughs> episode, which Lydia is in, even if you don't like this one. I yep. agree.
2: And one of the things that Beaming Gosset covered as well was gave you a bit more info about the nature of the ring on Hamid's finger.
5: Uh, that it probably wasn't directly harmful. Yeah. I think is the best he could say. And he told us that this, this piece of metal from the notebook was. damascan adamantine Mm -hmm.
2: but it was new so i can dip into that one just quite quickly so uh, adamantine in this story world was a damascan specialty of metal and you could always tell the period that it was constructed in by the way the coloration of the metal happens you get these sort of spiral fractal patterns and so on the more elaborate the metal the higher quality it is and also normally the older it is and this was interesting because it had little to no markings on it and given that adamantine hasn't been made for a very long time, that means that whatever was happening in Damascus was very exciting for Beaming and mm-hmm. for Sasha, who were into their uh, materials and their mechanisms. But that also meant that you were a bit struggling for where that could have been sourced from within Damascus. Yep.
5: Mm-hmm. Basically, we decided we'd probably need to go to Damascus at some point yep. uh, on our grand world tour. <laughs> Next, we headed to the British Museum yep. to ask about the piece of paper.
2: Mm-hmm.
4: And the, the main reason we went there is because Bertie thought he'd met somebody at a party. It happened yeah. to be the curator of the <laughs> Was quite drunk, so didn't remember any of the details at all. Whoops. <laughs> I think it was, um, uh, your phrasing was, it was crystal clear, and that crystal was the crystal of a decanter after being emptied of wine. Yes. <laughs> I, that sounds like me. Very good, um,
2: turn, very yep. good turn of phrase. It was phrase. both pithy and entitled, so, so it sounds about right.
3: <laughs> In Bertie's map. <laughs> all right. Go yeah. Yes. Yeah, so we were at the British Museum. Uh, we we going found to... out
5: very quickly about the piece of paper, but then we got into a, something of a scrape. It was Brutor's fault.
2: So let's go through what the paper, what we oh, found yeah, with the, the paper first, and then we'll go into you know the slight distraction. Yeah,
5: just that we we got a location that basically we got told we'd have to go to Japan to find out more.
4: Also, was interesting the fact that the little symbol drawn on it was in squid ink. Yes, it was another detail that was mentioned. Yes, but that's kind of all we got about it.
2: Because Brutor, you know, by this point, Bertie's fast friend, who he's been teaching him how to be people well, or beginning to.
4: To mention where this accident happened. In
3: the McGuffingham wink! Yeah. That's an extra pun there because the falcons hey.
4: oh, no. So
2: tell us about the McGuffingham wing there James
4: Very fancy
2: <laughs> I, I
4: didn't do the catch up so I always can't That's remember fair enough. I probably i these I'll, uh, as, I'll, as, as, as I listen to it like yeah. uh, a couple days ago so um, we went in it's basically got all of the um, artifacts from uh, Everard's Adventures uh, yes. These include a flesh golem in a big tank Yep uh, it's basically Frankenstein, but more gross. Frankenstein's yep. monster, sorry. We had a couple of staves from some witches. We had some urns, which are supposed to have uh, the spirits of the bandit lords in them.
3: Nefertiti's shawl.
4: Yes, which is an artifact that there's a kind of 50-50 chance that you'll put it on and it will suck all the life out of you. Or... Or, if you're the next person to put it on, it will give you the life it just sucked out, but you can't take it off or you die. Mm. <laughs> Virtue was quite interested in that one. <laughs> But yes, uh, so Brutor was snuffling around the uh, magical staves. And broke everything. But yeah, he knocked one over it, fired into the uh, the vases, and they shattered on the floor. and Releasing? A spooky skeleton popped out! Actually, three of them did. It was the bandit lords of the Parisian catacombs, yeah. released from their urn. One of them had a crown, the others didn't.
2: And you proceeded to absolutely annihilate yeah, them. Yeah,
4: there was this whole like episode cliffhanger where they popped out, and then we just... Completely destroyed them. They didn't, even, they didn't do much damage. They mm. Yeah, they were just rubbish.
5: It, it was nice after you know after the the, the failings of the prologue to, yeah. to realize we were capable of being efficient and mm. uh, effective in a combat situation. Yep. Don't worry, it didn't always stay that way. Hell yeah,
4: oh no. So, um, yeah, we saw them off. Uh, the flesh golem popped out. Because we broke the tank so it just kind of flopped and decomposed on the floor it was hideous
5: <laughs> but it didn't wake up and try to kill us so we put it no. down as a win
4: <laughs> that's good um,
5: and blamed it on the skellingtons
4: yeah and then there was a small issue of finance because um, the donations to the MacGuffingham wing had stopped yes
3: this is the uh, first obvious sign to the rest of the party the house of MacGuffingham uh, is not uh, soaring on the warm zephyrs of financial solvency <laughs> <laughs> <It's quite rare. laughs> <laughs> Quite the way that Bertie might have previously advertised it as being, um, and so he's hit up for a donation and plus damages, plus damages, and I think
5: there is. You referred it to your lawyer, yeah. Slash gnome. Oh <laughs> yeah,
3: and the, the lawyers turn up, don't they? They did.
5: That was the oh, first time we met them. They'd We'd seen stalking them
4: stalking us for a little, yeah. yeah.
2: And yeah, they 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 turned up without being summoned because they're good at their job. A lawyer yeah. should be there when they're needed, not when they're called. Yeah. And they they dealt with that situation, didn't they?
3: Yep. Uh, with more debt, um, yeah.
2: But yeah, you having met the lawyers, they they departed with with nary a glance for the rest of the party. Yep. Um,
4: yeah. And then uh, Alex was very kind in providing us with a little bit more of an impetus by having the curator ask us to deliver a message to Francois Henri, uh, the head of the ordinateurs in Paris,
5: which is the same name that was in the notebook.
4: And we were all like,
2: "Ooh, a clue." <laughs> It's great. Now, here's a really niche one. Do you remember what you were asked to deliver to Yes, because I've
4: just listened to the episode. It's not very good testing <laughs> <laughs> Um uh, Yes, it was a um, transcript of the Rosetta Stone so they could use their old Nata um, processing power to help to um,
2: decipher it. Yes, and this was the point where it became aware for the party that in Paris... They have developed basically the ordinators. They're big, they're clunky, but basically computers. Probably. I mean, Hamid, Hamid
5: already knew all about. Hamid us, of
2: already course. knew this because they used for banking. Because
5: he's a nerd.
4: <laughs> It just hadn't come up. They're basically Babbage's difference engine, but yeah. magical and much better than they were. Yeah, but the same kind of size and construction. It's like someone
2: took and... Babbage's difference engine and went, "Tell you what, with a lot of magic and unlimited space, this could really be something." Yeah.
4: And it's also worth mentioning Ada Lovelace was uh, mentioned and credited when that was brought up.
5: So once we'd escaped the British Museum, uh, we, we next headed to the local branch of the Hand Bank. Yep to investigate the safety deposit key, and we found that it linked to a deposit box in Cairo. Mm-hmm. Yep. So Hammond is ha- going to have to go home and face the music slash his parents.
2: Although there was a brief digression there, as Byron wandered in, loudly declaring he was Byron again and again. Yeah, it's weird, that.
5: It turned out he was Figgis impersonating Byron to try and rob the bank. Yeah, because um, Bertie
4: turned up, went, oh, I know Byron, and Figgis went,
2: oh, no, and
4: didn't <laughs> <Yeah. for> it. <laughs>
5: It was terrible. He was was I don't know why you ever hired him. uh, What were you
4: thinking? Pretty bad. Yeah, so there was a climactic high-speed chase involving carriages and jumping, and I stayed inside and got drunk. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, you did. Very drunk. Um, Yeah, so we caught him, brought him back, everyone was like, oh, brilliant, you're well good, and that was great.
2: And I believe there was a nice little moment for Hamid there as well. Oh, God, yeah. He
5: got a poignant present from his parents.
2: Uh, A slightly outdated present. I believe it was. Yeah, because yeah,
3: it was a, from a time when they still had faith
4: in him. Oof. Basically. Had a note Oof. saying... I'm
5: sorry, I'm just having some feels over here. I'll
4: be back with you in a minute. It basically had a note saying, we're really glad that you're still sticking with your studies and going through university. It was supposed to be sent on orders, as those orders were never given. <gasps>
3: <laughs> we love you very much, but extremely conditionally, provided you meet <laughs> these conditions, <laughs> which you're definitely
4: going to. And I'm not going to fail at all. Yeah, but here yeah. are some magic sleeves. Yeah. <laughs> They're great, though. Makes him where he can just wear any costume he wants. It's brilliant. So our final stop on
5: our Whittle Stop tour of London, following up on these clues, was to go to Kew Gardens to ask about the strange and mysterious magical seed.
4: Yeah. So uh, we headed over. Uh, Sasha had a bit of anxiety about the city going away um, and the whole countryside thing being quite She'd barely gotten
2: used to the sky and then you took her to the countryside. Well, you say
4: the countryside as well. It was (laughs) Kew. Which,
5: in that period, was definitely countryside. Uh, I
4: was... Zing! You're back on board, Rich. Uh, awesome. <laughs> I mean, actually, if we think about it, it, doesn't make any sense because Upper London would have. Anyway, yep. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so that happens, and uh, we go to Q Gardens. We meet Colgate on the steps, yes. and he helps us
2: to point out uh, Colgate being one of the people that you helped rescue yes. and helped keep people alive during the bombing of the presentation Seems of the Simulac. Like a, a
4: pretty stand-up guy. that Bertie knows one mm-hmm. of his friends. Um, so yeah, we go in. Uh, we, may, we meet uh, George Washington Carver, mm-hmm. who is currently. Uh, very early on in his career, he's quite young, yes. and was in an internship at Kew. Yes. Um, and he was working as Gregor Mendeley's assistant. Yes. Again, and that's who we a historical, to. Yeah, a mm-hmm. historical. There you go. But yes, so, so we did that, but we found out that Mendeley uh, had unfortunately been missing because there was a problem with the heating. He went down with a party of people and they hadn't returned. Uh, so we very bravely offered to uh, go get him, mainly because that would be quicker. Yes. That was why <laughs> we were so brave, it was just because we didn't have Genuinely, time to yes. wait. Uh so yeah that uh we then went down and it was we, we found ourselves in a very spooky basement.
5: It was really atmospheric and cool. If you've listened to our other podcast the Magnus Archives, you may realize that Alex is really good at atmospheric creepy horror and this was him using some of that expertise to provide to Rustical cool Gaming. Yeah. So if you like that kind of thing, you could always go and back and listen to these Q Gardens episodes yeah. which were episode numbers
4: uh so 21 onwards. So 21 yeah. through 24.
3: Don't listen to it for the character or the story. Just listen to it for the audio effects. Like, that's the main appeal I mean, of the episode. I
2: mean, that's all I definitely... I if I could, I'd mute all of yeah. your speech and just have the soundscaping. Um,
4: yes, so uh, we go down and we're very confident and we think it's going to go really well. Then we get attacked by two swarms of mandrakes or like weird mandrake kind of root seed things that are awful and make us really nauseous and you can't stab that well. Yeah. So they almost kill us.
2: And then Sasha, again, representing Sasha in here. Yeah. She almost single-handedly deals no, with No, she
4: single-handedly dealt with yeah. it. like The
5: rest of us were incompetent and useless.
2: <laughs> we just
4: didn't have the tools for the job. Yeah. I mean, so like, no think Hamid ran away, both me and Bertie got, both Zulf and Bertie got stuck, and did Bertie go down? I think Bertie went down. I think so. You all went yeah. down at one point, yeah. mm. um, So it was all very bad. And,
2: but Sasha managed to rescue all with some expert some bombing. bombs,
4: yeah. Anyway, so lots of things happen in there. Um, it's all very spooky. There are lots of corpses we find. Uh, Hamid almost dies because he walks too, uh, too close to a frigid moss. Yeah, yeah. the weird cold moss. Yeah, yeah.
2: Because obviously, a bunch of the samples in there have all been just like accidentally released and yep. all that kind of thing.
4: So, yeah, um, we have an argument. Uh, Zolf wants to uh, leave, Hannah doesn't, because he wants to be a hero. Uh, so, Zolf sulks and <laughs> gives him leadership temporarily. So, yeah, uh, and then Sasha is. And doesn't he do a wonderful job of it? That's yeah, definitely doesn't... what I remember. Mm-hmm.
2: Any dungeon you can walk away from.
4: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But basically more in the uh, in the thread of Sasha doing everything. Sasha then walks into the uh, main room with lots and lots of tanks. There's something yep. horrible and big shuffling around, which is assumedly the main antagonist of this dungeon. Correct. Uh, she stealths it and then finds somebody hiding in a uh, tank uh, from the big shuffly monster. Yes. One can assume it's uh, Mendeleev because he's the NPC we need. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it'd be a bit of a rubbish dungeon if the, he was dead.
2: Game design 101 with yeah.
4: Ben. Yeah, and... Uh, after that, she warns us about the thing, and we completely destroy the big monster. You
2: trounce it,
4: yeah, absolutely, even trash with
2: it. its support by the sort of plant zombified versions of other NPCs that were down there at the oh, time. Yeah. That's why you died. You
5: and it, it. it it quite effectively took Bertie out of the fight as well by constantly yeah. pollinating him or something. <laughs> oh yeah,
4: he spent most of his time stoned. Yeah. yeah, and
5: yet yeah, the the rest of us took it down.
4: Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> we we get Mendeleev out, um, get him back up to his office. He's very, very uh, thankful. Uh, pays us, gives us a bribe basically to not tell people that Q massively. He rewarded
5: up. us for our heroism. Yeah, there's
4: a little bit of friction between those two.
5: Your mileage may vary.
4: Yeah. <laughs> So basically we cover that up and we go and chill out at Hamid's after that particularly harrowing ordeal. Well,
5: we tried to go home and chill out and who was there waiting for us? The most but lovely the person most ever. The most irritating NPC of the campaign oh, so he's far. He's
2: such
4: a
5: nuisance.
2: Oscar Wilde, what a yep. guy, what a man. Ooh.
4: I love him in real life, I hate him in this game.
5: Men yeah, want him, irritating. women
2: want to be him. Oscar Wilde. So <laughs>
4: basically he broke into Hamid's house and thought that was fine. Yeah. And he was a, he's an investigative reporter basically at this point or at least a journalist of some form. That was
5: his cover story.
4: Apparently. Yeah, he was just trying to get into Bertie's pants. Yes. (laughs) And he succeeded. I think Mm -hmm. they both succeeded very well. Very double entendre-y. If you you want a powerfully
3: erotic podcast as a prelude to an evening of sensuous lovemaking with a partner or yourself, I strongly recommend this episode. It's pretty pretty on it.
5: I would say that if you want to ever be able to look (laughs) any other human being in the face ever again, this is the one episode of our podcast you should skip but you should definitely listen to all the others. <laughs> yeah.
2: And why was Oscar Wilde there beyond just trying to get in Bertie's... We were famous. Pants? Yeah, he was just doing some research. On oh, us. and we
4: named ourselves. Uh, the London Rangers, uh, we're, working we're working on, on the, the name.
2: name. What, a, what a name, what a name.
4: I mean, I uh, having re-listened really to it, I think I um, suggested the Mighty Morphin Mercenary Rangers, which didn't get much practice. catch, <laughs> catch. I
5: and really then? wish we'd come up with a better name.
2: We're working on it.
5: Well, we're working on <laughs> the name, indeed. Yeah.
4: Indeed.
2: So eventually, of course, you all reconvened after Bertie had a night of passionate fun with Oscar Wilde.
4: Mm-hmm. And uh, oh, the one thing we didn't mention is that Mendeleev actually helps us, and he mentions the metallic seed because ah, he's an expert yes, in biology. is supposed to be uh, found. or the people we can talk to to find out more about it are the dwarves who are at Svalbard.
2: Yes, the dwarves trade in seeds, rare exotic plants, and etc., all at the point of Svalbard.
4: Yeah. Also, because there's something you might not know about in the real world, that is where the International Save Repository
2: is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where they
4: keep all the seeds just in case it all goes wrong
2: basically that so that we
5: can rebuild after the apocalypse Ooh.
2: and at that point we're going to have to end this episode here this catch-up episode obviously we'll be back for the rest of what's been happening yep. But there's on... just
5: so many episodes guys it's, we couldn't do them all at once
2: quite a lot so we will return as soon as possible with the second part of this catch-up but until then bye guys bye,
1: bye.
2: It's fine, you'll just have to do some more feats of daring do. I'm sure the books will balance eventually. Harkness,
3: Harkness... Hang on, was it Harkness, Harkness, Darkness? Harkness, Darkness...
4: (laughs) (laughs) Butterscotch schnapps. (laughs) Butterscotch schnapps. (laughs) (laughs) It turned out
5: he was Figgis impersonating Byron to try and rob the bank. Yeah, because Bertie um,
4: turned up, went, "Oh, I know Byron," and Figus went, "Oh no!" And <laughs> yeah. for it.
5: it was terrible. He was, was a, I don't know why you ever hired him. Uh, what were
4: you thinking? Pretty bad.
5: Turns yeah.
2: out when you have a startup, you just take anyone you can get That's hold of.
4: But yeah, so what happened was there was a, a climactic uh, high speed. Wow. <laughs> there you go.
5: Wow. No, 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 no. I, I, I think we need to all process that burn <laughs> that Alex just laid on me. Because it's gonna be smarting for weeks. <laughs> wow! <laughs> I don't have to be here. I could leave right now.
2: Just, just you know, you'll have to untie yourself.
3: <laughs> yeah, leave, but you know, leave the mic.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for fifty to eighty percent less than similar brands.